first introduction into like trusting yourself, which is the, you know, that's, that's all this work is also. It's like, I'm just, I just want to trust myself. I want to learn to love myself. I want to be whole. And that is such an important part. Like just seeing like when you can trust the birth process, it just is like opening this door to all the other things that, oh no, like I'm okay. I can trust myself. That's Gabriela La Roca, and this is the Rain Studios Podcast. Welcome back to the Rain Studios Podcast. I'm Rain Reed, your hostess, and today is a wonderful release of the Rebirth series. So this is going to be complimentary um, for any of you who have been thinking about doing rebirth. Um, this is going to help you understand a little bit more about the program. And of course, those of you who are in it, so whether it's one-on-one or the fellowship or you're doing it on your own with the PDF or the workbook, this is going to be huge in, um, in just guiding you on your journey um, through the work of rebirth. Um, Gabriela is has become a very dear friend of mine, really like a soul sister, um, and we meet in Ottawa um, weekly. <clears throat> Gabriela is actually also doing um, my RYT training, so she is doing yoga training through me one on one, and uh, so our work just keeps unfolding. Um, Gabriela is a incredible linguist. She's um, a native speaker of both English and Spanish, and um, we'll actually get through, we'll get into her whole story as the series rolls out. Um, but she was born in the U.S. Um, our paths originally crossed when she was at Tulane University in New Orleans um, through a mutual friend, um, shout out Ariane, and then we've reconnected now. Um, she's been living in Bilbao for over, I believe, 11 years, um, teaching at an academy, English um, to the Spanish speakers, and she is just incredible. She has taken, understood the assignment of this work and is just a radiant sort of beacon of the rebirth light, if you will. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the amazing linguist, verbal genius, the gift of gab, Gabriela. La Roca. No, let's just do it. Let's just fucking do this. <laughs> All right. Okay. okay. Gabriela La Roca in the house. Hola, Kichi. ¿Cómo estás? Oh, yeah. Maravillosa. Genial. Sí, sí, sí. So Gabriela is coming to us from Bilbao, Spain. Um, and Gabriela and I have been working together for quite some time now, like over two years. No, 14 months, I think. Oh, wow. 14 We've known months. each other for over a decade, technically. True. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Exactly. Um, but so, okay, so today what Gabriela, Gabriela and I are... We have been talking about doing this for a long time. We uh, have a (sighs) (laughs) Mm. (laughs) 
our cool uncle, Rich Roll. I like that. Very cool. Um, shout out to our very cool aunt and uncle, Julie Pyatt and Rich Roll. Um, we are, um, so in the rebirth work, I use the ritual podcast very often, um, as like a supplement to the program, um, because the conversations that he has and the guests that he has, um, are talking so much in alignment with the work that we are doing. And so, but this, this next series of episodes with Gabrielle and I are going to be for, those of you who are either in rebirth already or are kind of toying with the idea or um, now going to do it on your own. So I am, um, there's, there's a how to do it on your own on the website now on my website. And so for very little money, um, people can guide themselves through this process um, on their own time and with their own uh, chosen support system. Uh, little disclaimers that we are going to talk about some pretty uh, intense and often triggering things. And so um, headset is a really nice thing to have um, and have a journal or a you know, notebook or something you can take notes in and just and instead of running from the triggers, I want you to sit with the triggers and write them down, notice them start to get to know them. And this is where support people can come in handy um, to help unpack what you're feeling. But so Gabriella was one of the brave um, first, um, she was in my first wave of rebirth clients. And so Gabriella, thank you for being here and doing this with me. Having me, oh! <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yes. So, um, a little bit. So, okay. Well, the reason why we are starting with your own birth story is because this is where we started the program. So this sort of module, if you will, is, um, is Gabriella and I are going to speak through our own experiences of sort of excavating, rediscovering, and reconnecting with our own birth story, how that affects us today, how it affects um, individuals, families, communities, societies, and then eventually the global society. Um, so Gabriella, in your experience as a rebirther, um, <laughs> ooh, well, look, I'm, I'm looking at my notes and I just realized. So the real first step is watching the film. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, uh, well, yes. Maybe I can, I can take a step back even further from um, when you and I first uh, decided to work together like the the spark was that I said I don't know how to be around pregnant women mm. my friends are pregnant and I freeze up and I do not know how to relate at all I, I don't know how to relate to my like to the children uh like in my family that are much like just, I don't know, like my, when my aunt was pregnant or my aunt, when my uh, sister-in-law was pregnant, 
I, I like, I just, I didn't, I didn't have feelings. I didn't know how to act or react or what to think. I just felt so much disconnection. And a lot of it I thought was because, you know, I'm, I'm living in, in Bilbao. I'm living in another country so far away from all of my friends that are now starting to have children. It's just that, you know, I never got to live the experience with anybody. And then as my friends in Bilbao were starting to have children, the pandemic hit. And so then I didn't get to see any of them. And so I Mm. thought that, that it was much more of a, like a physical and experiential disconnect. Uh, But that just would have kept on happening and happening no matter whether I was in close proximity to, to any of these women in my life. There was just, I felt so disconnected from it. And and I was like, what do I do, Rain? What do I do? And you're like, hey, I think you should take rebirth. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, okay, please. Yes, let's do it. Go. <laughs> yes. Oh, so for the listeners, if this resonates with you somewhere, um, I know, I mean, it resonates with me. Like, so before I had my own child, this is how I felt. Um. And I mean, literally up until his head crowned, that's kind of how I felt. (laughs) So, uh, and I, and I highly recommend doing this work before your child's head crowns. Um, So um, yeah, but so Gabriella, thank you for sharing that because that is the power and truth and vulnerability, uh, right? As a woman, as women, it's like, on the one hand, we're all supposed to know how to deal with babies and children and mamas and pregnant women. And on the other hand, we're all like so disconnected from what it actually is. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Thank you for that. So that is why um, we have Elena Tonetti Vladmirova. Um, she is the creator of the film Birth as We Know It. Link in the show notes. If you are toying with the idea of doing rebirth, if you are toying with the idea of getting to know yourself better, if you are toying with the idea of wanting to help uh, your neighbor, your friends, your kids, your partner, your family, the whole world, this is the very first step is watching this film because it reminds us of what we have forgotten um, in certainly in um, the US about um, what it is to birth a child. Um, and so this is our first step. We, we watch this film. And um, so I would highly recommend listening to that episode, actually. I'm going to go ahead and do that. If you haven't listened to um, Elena's episode, I believe that's episode 14. I think it's episode 14. Um, but, um, so Gabriela, what was your experience watching her film? Oh man. Um, so I will, I will also preface this by saying like, I was ready to jump into rebirth. I had completely surrendered because I was like, I was like, things are not things are not okay in my life right now. And I just will do anything. So I definitely had this like, okay, I'm watching this movie. Oh my goodness. I just watched a birth <laughs> and I had never seen a birth before. I remember and I was like, okay, okay, this is happening. 
there are a lot of pregnant women, I, I naked pregnant women. I'm not used to seeing that either. Okay. Okay. It's happening. Okay. I'm here for it. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, I'm watching another birth. Wait. And I remember freaking out about how long the baby was underwater. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> baby up to breathe, please. Yes. So, right. So I guess, and for listeners who haven't watched the film and haven't listened to the episode with Elena um, on the Rain Studios podcast, just a little preface is it is a, a consecutive series of what there's probably like seven or eight births, I think. Um, and they're all um, either at home or in the water. Some of them are in like, like actual, like in a small, warm um, inlet, like in, in, a, in a natural setting. Um, yeah, you, it is, it is up close and personal with the naked human female body press pushing out or releasing a baby rather into, um, mama's hands or daddy's hands or a fellow maiden's hands. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> and in a really, and in a really beautiful, um, and sort of serene kind of way, um, we're seeing birth in Elena's film in a way that we don't normally, um, at least in the West, you know, there's what, so the process of the process of watching this film is a part of our reconditioning. So we're sort of deconditioning from the, the this ruse that birth has to be a panic and in a hospital and there has to be 12 people in with you know white coats and gloves and all of these sterile things around in order for a woman to you know panic and have a really traumatic experience um that's what most of us have seen and if you have seen something else listeners fantastic. I'm so excited for you. But so many of us were sort of indoctrinated with this birth is panicky and fear. So birth as we know it is like, is, you know, cause we can talk about it till we're blue in the face, but seeing it really is, is believing it, you know? Um, okay. So because that's really what, what, what you get from it is that, oh, like we're born to be able to do this naturally like we're our like everything about how we have been created is to be able to do this and I didn't know that I had no idea like I didn't again that's not what I'd ever been exposed to I didn't trust that the body knew like the whole process of every little intricate thing happens in that sequence for the baby to be released and to be okay. And for the mom to be okay. Mm. And, and that's, that's really like, that's, that's what I got from it. But I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. And I would even take, can you expound upon, okay. Like the mom and the baby are okay. Or are they something even else? Oh, well, they're like deeply connected and 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 it's beautiful and there are smiles and the the connection then also between the mom and the dad and and the love that you feel that it's like safe you feel safety and you feel security and mm. like it's just it's the the natural way that 
it's, I mean, I don't want to say that's like, it's, well, yeah, I guess it's supposed to happen that, I mean, that's yeah, supposed to, it's supposed to be okay. It's supposed to be okay. It's supposed <laughs> to come from love. <laughs> supposed to be okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but isn't it interesting how it's, how it's still almost like a hesitancy to be like, wait, it's supposed to be okay. Like it, it, it and it, and it is okay. Like that is, you know, that is this work. It is okay. And Gabriella and I were actually just in an Ottawa meeting right before we're recording this. And um, shout out, Wendy um, was the, the fairy goddess of the day. And her icebreaker was, can you remind me exactly? It, how uh, something that you didn't think that you could do, but that you did. Right. And so I've oh, been yeah. doing, I've been doing this work for about five years now, like since I, since I got pregnant, um, and not as deliberately, I certainly wasn't calling it rebirth when I was pregnant. Um, but it was my journey. So it definitely everything, you know, leading up from about five years ago has, has opened me to this, but I say that because in today's meeting, when she posed that question still, you know, like there's a part of me that's still in the, in the deconditioned, there's still a part of me that's like, Oh, you know, I can't believe I did that. You know, I can't believe I, I, you know, pushed out uh, Wolfie and I did do a little pushing, a lot of pushing. Um, Cause again, I hadn't done all this work yet. Um, but, you know, if given the opportunity again, I would, I would attempt to really just release and surrender to the feeling as opposed to doing the bear down and push. Um, but yeah, so I say that because like Gabriella and I are both, we're on this journey together and we still working together. We still, um, you know, our, our friendship, our bound, our bound, our bonds, bond, bond, bond thank you. Our bond. <laughs> um, it's like sisterhood. It's just amazing. Um, so, so again, I'm just so grateful to be doing this. I with love you. you. I love you too. <laughs> oh, and to our, to our favorite uncle, this is our, this is our first round of rain on. Yes. I just have to say that. I just have to like, you know, plant the seed or the little spore. On. Rain on. Rain on. I, I see it with like tridents that like the rain on is a trident. You're standing mm. with a boom, boom. Mm. Yes. Maybe so. <laughs> so here you are and you're watching the film and what other sorts of resistances or surprises or just any, I mean, so the, our, our homework assignment for this conversation for this episode was to rewatch it. So are there any things that you just want to like pull out and unpack? Um, well, I, the thing I was trying to remember if I cried the first time I watched it and I imagine that I did. I think you did. I'm pretty sure I did. And I definitely cried this time too. And of course I cried at the cesarean uh, section, which, cause I'm a cesarean baby and Me too. door to rain. And uh, that was, that it uh, really is tough to watch that. Just <clears throat> it's, that's really tough. It's really yeah. sad. Can I take a moment? And um, because this is actually something that I want to um, further in our work together is that, so we are cesarean survivors. Okay. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Cesarean survivors. Mm -hmm. 
because everything about the cesarean birth, well, now there are, there are some doctors that are doing gentle cesareans, which is really quite cool, um, where the placenta is actually being removed with the baby. And, you know, there's a, an attempt at a little bit of dimmer lighting and an attempt at a softness with the words that are being exchanged in the delivery room or in the operating room rather. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so as a cesarean survivor, tell us your story. Ooh, so it's been like, so I watched this, what, 24 hours ago? It has been a (laughs) enlightening 24 hours Uh, because after rewatching it, I went through my, um, I went through my four baskets notes, which I don't know if you want to talk about four baskets at all, or just, I was like reviewing what I had studied during the four stages of, of you know, leading up to, leading up to birth. Um, yeah, and how, what? I said, yeah, I would love to, so you can just expound upon it since you know the four baskets and in the show notes, I'll drop the Catherine Lightfoot episode is where she kind of really goes into the four baskets. Um, So for the listeners, we'll put some uh, things in the show notes for them if they want to kind of nerd out a bit more, but I feel like your experience is going to help explain it. Um, Well, okay. So doing the, like, well, I was looking through the notes and I remember as I was first being introduced to this, like, you know, you're looking at conception to the second month and then uh, second month pre-birth and then birth and then um, birth through the first six hours. And I do remember being like, I don't really identify with any of these. I mean, I, you know, I'm a happy person besides the fact that I was very, I was struggling a lot at this (laughs) time. But in general, I was like, oh, I'm a happy person. Oh, I don't really feel that way. Oh, everything is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, and then I had talked to my mom. And so, uh, you know, fortunate to be able to talk to my mom about my birth and went through all of the different stages, the different baskets with her. And um, I think sort of expecting like, oh, okay, she's going to like, show me where the problem is from, from mm. this. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to pick it out and identify my basket. The one that I, uh, that I am like, that I belong to that I'm stuck in mm. and nah, not really. Like I was conceived very consciously through love. Um, and I, I deeply feel that. And mm. I feel that up until my birth, like it was, like, I, you know, I feel very warm inside just thinking about that. I do really feel that, that you know, my, my parents loved me in that process. My mom was listening to Tina Turner, which was like, oh, of course, I'm oh. not obsessed with Tina Turner. So, like, sure. I got that. Explains everything. <laughs> so many things. So, okay, so, so basket one, conception. <laughs> basket two, gestation. Full of Great. Tina Turner. Full of Tina Turner. Lots oh. of music in Spanish. It was uh yeah I mean I think also my mom is a deeply spiritual person and um that's just I think she's very mindful she's very mindful during this time um and then we get to the fourth basket and life but the third basket also I mean the third basket is the birth process right right and so there's the 
it's, I feel that, that while it was the cesarean for me, it's the, it's the six months after, because mm. I mean, yeah, I, so I was, or it's like the, after the birth I was born, I was given to my mom. I, my dad held me, my dad cut the umbilical cord and then they put my mom to sleep and I was taken away. And mm. then my mom couldn't walk for a week and I was brought in to be nursed and my dad didn't have paternity leave. And so he had to go back to work Wow! and like just talking about that now, it's like, Ooh, mm. like that. I feel that like my mom wasn't okay. And I, mm. I, I feel that my mom wasn't okay. And that sort of feeling that maybe my mom needed my help or my protection has stuck with me my entire life mm. and like not being able to, and not like sleeping with them. Like when I was a child, I used to sneak into my parents' bedroom every night and sleep on the floor thinking that they didn't know. They knew the whole time, <laughs> which I didn't find out until recently, but I would do that every single night. I like bring my pillow and I would sleep on the floor next to them. And then before they got up, I would get up and go back to my bed. And I, a lot of the a lot of the anxieties that I have had have been sort of like reliving that or the, the toughest moments. I mean, I've, I've, I'm surprised I'm a very anxious person or I, I used to be a very anxious person, but the times where my anxiety would spiral into like a complete panic attack were moments where I'm sort of reliving that mm-hmm. where like I, I need to protect my mom she never asked for that protection. My mom didn't ever need my protection, but me, that perspective that I thought I needed to, and then my dad wasn't there, but he'd be working or for some reason wasn't there. And then I would totally fall apart. And then like that culminated before I went to university where I'm like, I realized this is, this is all that I've realized the past 24 hours that it's this like, mm. I'm preparing to leave my parents and that terrifies me I don't want to leave my parents my like this is like everything is great and then suddenly they're going to be gone like no 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 like that's just reliving the same situation again and again um but I there's a there's so much of this is so much uh both ends because like the preparing to go to university was when I started to go to therapy because I um I was dealing with terrible anxiety and I was vomiting every morning before I went to school. And I realized though, like that is, that is, that was like, Oh wait, Gabriella needs help. She's going to go to therapy. And so it was sort of this, like the beginning of showing myself that everything is going to be okay. Mm. And then I think also like, so this is like the source of my fears of abandonment and my fears of, of rejection but I think like okay so I went I did go to university I went to Tulane I went in New Orleans and then Hurricane Katrina hit and then my dad came down and got me out of New Orleans on the last flight to bring me back home and there like he was there for me I wasn't abandoned and I really feel that that was a moment of reset 
Wow. Like I, like I, I like, oh, okay, wait, like in a lot of sense that like that perspective is not true. Like they're there. And so then, you know, I was able to go to university and start this sort of independent life without them. Yes. And and yeah, so that, that's what I've been thinking about the past 24 hours. <laughs> oh, that's so, wow. Yeah, so uh, thank you for sharing. And, um, you know, this is tough stuff. This is vulnerable stuff. And it's funny because Gabrielle and I have talked about this before, but it's like, yes, you know, you're, you're still sort of unfurling or, you know, discovering new, um, unturning, you know, new leaves and things um, from the story. And what I want for the listeners too, is that, you know, this is not a blame game. That is not what this is. Not at all. We are, but we are discovering the truth of what happened to us. So there's an acceptance that, um, that we must go through in order to heal. It's like, we must accept that, you know, a cesarean style birth in the eighties was, a traumatic experience. The doctor wasn't trying to make it traumatic. Your mother wasn't trying to make it dramatic. The nurses, and they're all to the contrary. Like this is what the medical world is telling women at the time. This is the safest, most effective, most, you know, this is the best way for you to have your baby and have a healthy baby mama outcome. And, you know, part of my work that is so triggering for so many people is that I really believe that for most people, that's actually not true. I believe that for most people, mamas and babies, the, the, the healthiest and um, most whole way that they can be born is in the comfort of their own homes with into the comfort of their own hands and up to their own breast. Um, because this is something that I've experienced um, and, it, and it makes so much sense. And I'm talking about nature. I'm talking about biological sense. And I, I, I do hold my hands together in reverence and bow my head to those who really do need the assist of um, the Western medicine and doctors and surgeons and things. I'm not ever going to say that it's completely unnecessary or that it's bad, but I, I will say um, and in the circumstances that it's necessary, I am grateful, have the most reverence for um, that availability. But for the most part, I believe because through my own experience and because of so many women that I know now who have had home births or empowered, empowered free births or whatever, um, that birth is, is supposed to be a bonding experience and a strength building experience. One that fortifies us with absolute assurance that we are on the planet for a reason and it's divine and spiritual and magical and inexplicable and, and awesome, like on your knees, fucking awesome. And I don't mean awesome. Like, yeah, dude, totally awesome. I mean like, awe, awe inspiring some, the actual root word, you know, it is birth is jaw dropping. Like, yes, I talk about it all the time. Yes. This is what my life is about at this point, but I'm still cannot believe that like you have, (laughs) people have this dance, the sexual dance. And many a time the result is a human being 
coming out of another human being. I just will never think that that's like, oh yeah, just, and now let's go get some groceries. Like, like, wait, what? Like we come out of each other. Like, you know, so it's like really pumping the brakes. And, and that's why, again, for the listeners, it's like, well, why do I want to watch a movie where a bunch of babies are being born? Well, because we were all born. Hello, hello. Rain is here to drop a line about my program, Rebirth. All right. So for the duration of March is the early bird special to get into my program to change your life, to redevelop your relationship with your instincts and your intuition, to understand yourself from birth through life and all the way to the end of life also known as death. (laughs) This is what my program is all about. And so March is going to be early bird admissions. April is going to be regular admissions. And then about halfway through May, uh, May 15th is going to be the uh, final day of intake for the program. The program begins at the end of May and it's going to last for six weeks. And we are going to do it in group format. I am so delighted to bring us all together and for us to use the strength of the pack to move through rebirth um, yes together and just have an incredible metamorphosis transition into your most authentic self so links in show notes join me let's do this back to the show We all had that experience and the cells in our bodies actually remember these experiences. Uh, We have a cellular memory um, in, you know, a sort of limbic imprinting is what Elena um, references. And neuroscience is coming Mm -hmm. out with all of this left and right that like, (laughs) yes, the way you were conceived actually matters. The way that you were gestation period, right? Inside of your mother, the, the emotions, the, the, the smells, the, the things that she was breathing and drinking and eating and seeing and listening to and feeling all affect literally the brain development and the full body development of the fetus inside. And so our personalities are being shaped in the womb then the process by which we come through birth is, um, you know, I, I like to talk about, uh, I like to ask people about first impressions. You know, what, you know, are you one of those people that's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can really like meet someone and I basically have decided, you know, whether this is like an energetic person I'm going to vibe with or like maybe not so much. And I believe that the infant has that, that we are born with that kind of instinctual knowing. And, and as Gabriella was just saying, you know, this is the way it's air quotes supposed to happen. This is the way that human beings have been living and breathing and multiplying for literally hundreds of thousands of years, if not millions of years, however you want to look at evolution. Um, But, you know, for, for millions of years, the hominids, the homo sapiens, these species, you know, are being born um, into the arms of their mothers. And this goes for all mammals, you know, I guess, except for marsupials, but, you know, they like crawl their way into the mama's pouch. <laughs> but, you know, most <laughs> we're talking about primates. 
the mama births, has a look, brings the baby up. And there's just, there's this comfort, this sense of trust, this sense of respect and reverence and awe and, and silence and peace. I mean, that's like for all of us, so many of my friends and uh, women and humans that I work with, both men and women, we all have anxiety, like these debilitating anxiety, almost disorders, right? Is like what some um, forms of humanity would categorize. And my belief is that so much of this anxiety stems from exactly what Gabriella just shared with us, which is like, you know, the birth being this like, whirlwind experience where you just get cut out and pulled out and handed off to somebody who's not your mom. Maybe your mom gets to see you for a second. Okay. And then they take you away to go do any number of procedures um, that are, that are actually like, for the most part, I'm saying about 95, 97%, it would be of the time, it would be unnecessary to remove the baby from the mom. There's a little percentage there, maybe it's three, four percent of the time where the baby does need, you know, some attention offsite. Um, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's like, why would we rob babies and mothers of this, this bonding moment that basically grounds us? It make it's what it's when we decide, like, oh yeah, I want, I want to keep living here. I want to keep doing this. I want to take my next breath. Baby is literally like. They're making these um, sort of conscious decisions. And for those of us who get willed away and put in the box and, you know, um, maybe, maybe held by a nurse every couple of hours or, you know, and fed some foreign um, baby formula type of substance that's not nearly the concoction of absolute magic and inexplicable, you know, um, immuno building and, and life-sustaining breast milk that is understudied and under and understood in, in the medical world. Um, so it's, I urge you listeners to like, think about this and notice what you might be resisting that I'm sharing or anything that you're resisting that Gabriella has shared and then see if, if, and that's okay. Like you can feel that resistance, but then kind of lean into it. Question, you know, like if you could do it again, what might your birth be like? Your own birth, not even thinking about having kids. It doesn't even matter if you choose to have them or not, or, you know, whatever. But how might you choose to be born? And since Gabriella is here and she's thought about that, um, if you would be willing to share that with us um, or something like that. Yeah. So it is. So in my, in my, actually, I'm like, do I have a picture of it? (laughs) I kind of do. So I have my, um, but this is just a little uh, non-dominant hand side note when we do our creative prompts with the non-dominant hand I had so much resistance Mm. I did not want to do them and I didn't do them yes uh but 14 months later my wall is covered in all of my creative prompts which are not always done with my non-dominant hand now because 
there's no resistance. I'm just like, oh, I gotta go draw that. And oh. so now I have this beautiful wall of of um of drawings. Just mm-hmm. so like if anybody is feeling resistance to it, that's fine. Yeah, it's okay. You'll get to it. Yeah. Maybe you won't like it and you'll find another way to express that. But I just said I I I did not enjoy doing that at all in the beginning and now I love it. Oh, um thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> but my so when I revision my birth. Um, I I just want to interject real quick. You are going to have a hundred ideal births. You know what I mean? So we don't have to be afraid to one. It's like, because yeah, like, and if you think about having your own baby, I mean, I have about 10 different ways I might like to do it. (laughs) It's all possible. Yeah. Infinite. There are infinite ways. Yes. Um, and the one that, the one that comes to mind or the, I guess the one that I, when I did this meditation, um, it would have been like 14 months ago. It was, I guess I was still in the hospital and my mom and dad are there. And then my aunt Stephanie is also there. She's also my godmother. Um, she's also there. And it's the three of them holding me at once. Mm. And that's that, it's that beautiful hug. I mean, that's like, that's all I'm looking for in life. That's yeah. that, that, that it's being held in that way and I can like in in watching birth as we as, like in watching this movie I see the hugs I want that in watching the Gabor Mate movie mm. there's that moment where he's holding one of the um, he's holding one of his patients like that's the hug I'm looking for mm. just want that hug where everything is going to be okay where I feel safe and secure mm. maybe so I can do that for myself though, too. That's That's what what I was going to say. (laughs) Gabriella, you've definitely learned. I mean, we'll also, and we're both sitting with sandbags, you know, that's a long live the sandbag, long live the sandbag. (laughs) It's a form of a hug, you know, like in, even in yoga practices, you know, the bind, um, binding is uh, there. It's forms of hugs also setting boundaries in our lives that's a form of hugging ourselves. And, um, but yes, like, you know, again, so to the listeners who might be having resistance, it's like, well, get over it. You know, <laughs> women are sitting here in a 30 say they want to hug. And it's like, yeah, but we all do, you know, like, but the truth is if we really excavate and we see the truth is that everyone wants a hug, you know, and, and not just any hug, but like that, the hug of acceptance, the hug of reverence for life and knowing, and just this knowingness, um, this, it's just a knowing that is passed down from generation to generation. And I feel that that's that the traumatic birth can, or really birth with separation, you know, with separation from mom and baby can, can really rob us from that initial hug that welcomes like welcomes you to planet earth. I mean, that's what we're talking about because for nine months and and out here as cognitive adults, we call it nine months. But if you imagine being gestated, this is an eternity. I imagine for like a, for this tiny ball of cells that is starting to evolve into being a being, um, you know, and in the beginning, the womb is very spacious. It's like this endless ocean all of your needs are met in the womb through the umbilical cord, um, the sounds of your mother, this just sort of warm, we talk about a warm hug. I mean, that the living inside the womb is like the word is your first hug. 
Um, and I believe that this is where part of my, like, you know, just, uh, divine connection to, to free diving. It's just because I feel like I'm going back into the womb, but in that spacious period, like, because at the end of the gestation period, baby actually is so large and baby is like, Oh God, I've, I've lost what happened to my infinite ocean. I must escape. I must get out. And so the baby is sends a signal um, hormonally in the exchange through the umbilical cord to the mom that says, I'm ready to come out. This is the initiation of what in Western medicine is called contractions or waves or sensations, whatever you want to call it. Um, but this is when the uterus literally starts to um, squeeze baby out. And so that's why I made reference to, you know, the fact that I don't want to push next go round um, because really the, the uterus is doing the work for you. So the art of letting go um, is a very, it's both a literal and figurative art that, that the, in the rebirth process, this is part of the teachings, you know, or then the reminders it's, I must go on record. Oh, and say um, that, you know, in rebirth, I'm not actually teaching you anything. I'm just reminding you of what your body and your cells already know. And it is my divine mm -hmm. honor to get to do that, to just be a reminder um, of what this is, because I didn't make this. What did show. you call yourself? The C tube? You're a C tube, a divine C or not. What is um, you know, the little tubes at the bottom of the ocean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And I don't even think they're that little, those ones at the Mariana trench with the red and the white bodies. Yeah. I think they're like six feet long. <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure though. I'm, we'll put a link in the show notes to exactly what we're talking about because it's very important, but well, it's Alan Watts who says like, we're literally just a bunch of tubes walking around on this planet. Like, you know, stuff goes in, stuff comes out, but we're just tubes. Like, Alan Watts, another Alan Watts. Oh, another yes. life changer. Yes. So I'm looking at my notes again here. Um, are there anything about the film, um, about birth as we know it, that surprised you? Um. I would say definitely this, that it's natural. This is a natural process that we were born to be able to do. Cause I was like, I had no idea about that. Yeah. And um, there was, I do remember also the movement talking about how we move our bodies and ooh, the spiral, the spiral mm. into bliss. I loved, loved that. Mm. But yeah. Well, I just want to make a little footnote. So Elena is explaining she's a dancer herself. And, and there's a lot of um, just reminding the female body in particular to do this swirling and spiraling of the hips. Gabrielle and I are both doing it. <laughs> We're both doing it right now. If you can see <laughs> uh, and, but in this spiral, it's, and I, this is my sort of like, you know, masculine that jumps in is like, you know, in, um, in 007, in the beginning of all the 007 movies, they have the huh. barrel, the gun barrel, like where you look through and it's got the spiral. So in, in fact, like it's, this is the same thing that the baby does through the wombs. So the baby actually spirals 
his or her way through the pelvis to through the pelvic bones to es- to escape to to birth itself. Um, there's a it does, baby doesn't just drop out in like a straight line. The baby actually spirals, and the the female pelvis is designed perfectly, um, and the baby head is also designed perfectly, like a little lock and key shape. You know, as the baby spirals out. So for mama to be spiraling her hips during the birth process actually just, it's like flushing a toilet. I mean, it's not, it's not very, it's not a really beautiful, but it's just what's coming to mind. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking about like, you know, it's just like hoo, 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 spiraling yeah, the, baby out. The and whirlpool. She, the whirlpool. That's better than a toilet. Thank you. Yes. She says that like, if there's one thing that you're going to take away from this film, let it be the spiral, let it be the spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes. And so pregnant or non-pregnant birthing or non-birthing, I believe the spiraling of the hips is, is a very divine movement that just helps us reconnect to the truth of who we are. Yes. Oh, it's so sensual. (laughs) Yes. What about, Um, oh, you have more. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, there's the whole scenes about the jumping in the ice water, which resistance, <laughs> all the, I was like, no, 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 stop. Don't do that. <laughs> Too cold. <laughs> yes. This, um, primarily Russian women in this film as Elena is from mother Russia. Um, and so, yes, there is an ice bathing, ice dipping, ice swimming, um, that the, the fully pregnant eight months pregnant women are plunging into, but also their, their younger baby, uh, you know, their, or their, their older babies, they're like three, four or five year olds are just jumping in willingly. Swimming. I was like, can a baby swim at like that? What's happening? Oh gosh. Yes. It's like, and I'm like, of course, of course, but we're just taught. I mean, no, we're taught be afraid of water. You don't know how to swim. Like, Yes. Yes. And so Gabriela is now talking about the birthing. There's some scenes where they're in um, the warm sea and there are dolphins and there are very young, like six month old babies full on swimming um, with their, you know, two, three, four year old siblings and they're swimming with dolphins and it's just supposed to divine. Wow. What a dream. And they lived it for real. Cool. What about any aspects of the film that were painful or challenging to observe? So um, the cesarean was rough and then the penis reduction surgery was awful, 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 awful. Yes. So more commonly known in this culture as circumcision, um, Elena so humbly uh, illustrates it as the penis reduction, which it actually is. Um, technically you're removing a portion of the predominant portion of the penis. Um, yeah. So something to question, you know, if, if we're living in cultures or societies where clean water is, um, you know, just running from your faucet and you're able to, to take a bath every other day, couple times a week, you know, circumcision is, um, most likely very unnecessary. Um, yeah. I mean, in Europe or, well, I'm not going to speak for all of Europe, but I mean, in Spain, it's not, not, a not common at all, which is like, 
I, I just I think that's so interesting because it's such I don't know if you're growing up in the U.S. you think it's such a given, but it's like no, not everybody does that just to do it. That's like yeah. that's a cultural um I, I don't know tradition decision uh, yeah. thing that just people just assume is what's done and it's not it's not the case everywhere around the world yeah so, something to think about definitely something to think about it's so it's just something to think about uh, trying to push my opinion or belief on to any of the listeners about this subject but it is it is like if you watch this film you will watch a circumcision or penis reduction surgery being um literally performed or executed however you want to say that um and it is and that's the thing you know so much of birth and babies and all this is out of sight out of mind and oh my god am i going to do this i think i am so one of the things that i say with my rebirth clients but i have not yet said publicly i don't think because i'm afraid of what um the feedback i might get but here we go so um I don't know about you or any of the listeners, but if you remember a show called like Unsolved Mysteries, do you remember this show? Mm-hmm. All right. So mm-hmm. we're like, yep. we're like yep. early nineties kids. And yep. um, I just remember kind of, there was, you know, quite a few about this alien abduction storylines and the alien abduction storyline is repeatedly very consistent and oftentimes the consistency goes like this I was really comfortable and warm and all of a sudden I was bright lights blue people cold blue hands so this is bright lights is the operating room cold blue hands Mm -hmm. is the latex gloves and the mm-hmm. blue suits and the big eyes are oftentimes these like Mike, uh, uh, what is this called? The magnifying lenses. Yeah. Or like some sort of like glasses that the, um, that they put over the, I'm, what comes to mind is the monocle. It's not a monocle. <laughs> well, either way. I mean, so literally what we're talking about is people who are describing being abducted by aliens are actually describing what it's like to be surgically removed in birth. They all then usually, so the males that are recounting these alien abductions always talk about genitalia pain, like they're, they're, they're dismantling the genitalia. This Mm. is a common storyline. So that would be an immediate circumcision, which happened often, um, especially I think in like the, in the seventies, um, then rectal, like they probed my rectum. That is also, and that's, that is a doctor taking a baby's temperature. That's how they do it. I mean, and I don't think that's a nice thing to do to anybody. Would you like somebody to do that to you? No, nope, especially nope, nope, you know nope. them, and you just nope. fucking showed up. Here. I want my hug. I want my hug. I <laughs> Get know. Your fingers Get away from me. I want my hug. <laughs> yeah. So this, and you know, so and then bulb syringes in the nose. It's just that the alien abduction stories 
are literally, they're recounting being born in a hospital. That is what the recounts are. And I don't know if there is somebody else that has drawn this connection, but every time I share it, you know, not in public, but in, in our rebirth spheres, <laughs> I mean, every, on the other side of the screen, they all shake their head like, yeah, wow, yeah. you're totally right. That's so, you know, so again, if you're having resistance to what I'm saying and you've just turned off the podcast, well, I guess I lost you, but, um, fine. you know, that's fine. that's fine too. You'll be back. Um, <laughs> but it's just something to think about, right? It is, it's just, you know, when we question the things that we've been doing, clearly we need to question some of the things, the routine things that we've been doing here in the Western world or, you know, in the United States or the developed countries, however you want to say it. Um, I would like to go on record here saying, um, you know, that some of the most high functioning countries, so highest standard of living, you're looking at Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, and Japan. These are where birth is still revered, still either happening in the home or with midwives. And um, the whole culture, you know, I, I can't I can't sit here and say that like, oh, what a coincidence that the whole culture seems to function much with a more, um, you know, idyllic, like, love your neighbor as thyself kind of, um, you know, and seeing, and seeing resources and, and seeing the patterns in nature and having respect and reverence for them. It's like, if we start with having respect and reverence for birth, not only is it all of the onlookers for the, you know, that are watching the birth, but it's the person being birthed and the mother being birthed that are also having reverence for their experience. So then every day moving forward, there's reverence for the life. Whereas if this pivotal moment of new life arrival begins in trauma, it's sort of set, it's setting like a traumatic metronome to the beat of the drum of this person's life. And it looks like, that looks like a lot of the world right now. Mm -hmm you know, just sort of this traumatic beginning and how, so it's like, can we imagine a world where the beginning isn't traumatic? And so that's what I'm saying in, the, in these cultures that are thriving on this, on this planet, um, you know, and these are developed cultures that I'm talking about. Um, and, and I think there's also the sense of, I mean, I think of all the financial support that families receive when they have children that also remove so much of the scarcity and the anxiety that I think is often tied to this tied to raising children. Yes. Which, uh, I mean, the narrative is that it's, I mean, because uh, it is already a challenge. It's a challenge to raise a child in a vacuum, like in a vacuum, everything perfect, everything around, you don't have to worry about anything else. It's a challenge. But then when you add on all of the other stresses to, can I feed my child? I don't know. I don't have enough money. Uh, I have to worry about how to pay for my child's college. Oh my goodness. Like all of those additional senses of insecurity, a lack of a safety net that the parents have to be worrying about is just contributing to this, to to this anxiety around this process 
Yes. So when you don't have to, I mean, when you can sort of limit those additional stresses, then well, it's freeing. There's freedom to focus on, on the real, the real challenge at hand. Right. And, and so, and so I, and you're saying in relation to these cultures who have the respect and reverence for birth, there's also financial support. There's also uh, not only maternity leave, but paternity, paternity leave. leave. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think, I believe it's in Finland. Like you, like it is like university is actually free. Right. Like I just, I think, I mean, I, just the amount of, of relief that I feel that so many parents would feel knowing that that was not something that they had to worry about in addition to everything else. Mm-hmm. It's just that there is, it's a respect for, 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 for all of that, for everyone, for every person, for every being, for every child. Yeah. And I think, and to tie it together too, I think that the death or end of life journey is also being respected. And I mean, you and I are going to have six episodes and that's going to be the sixth. <laughs> well, we, we're going to have more than that, but this, <laughs> but this, this, this rebirth series, you know, but, I, and I just want to, I want to tie the room together in that sense that like, you know, birth and death are very closely related to each other. You know, it's like, we wake up from being who knows where, and then we go back to sleep at the end and going back to who knows where. Um, and so, um, mm, we're not going to divulge into that just yet, but <laughs> oh, what the reason I was saying that though, is because the cultures that we're speaking of also have reverence and financial support for the end of life, you know, journey. Um, so, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm just scrolling here through my little notes to see if there is, is there anything that you recall from this chapter of our work together that you would like to, um, you know, bring forth that I might've forgotten or. Um, oh, it was just, it was that like the, I remember our first call was like totally <laughs> like changed my perspective on, I was like, just really, I knew nothing I knew nothing and I'm also so grateful that again I was just like I'm so open to this like please tell me everything Mm -hmm. tell me everything about this I want to learn everything about this and and I get you know it's just it's the first it's the first introduction into like trusting yourself, which is the, you know, that's, uh, that's all this work is also it's like, I'm just, I just want to trust myself. I want to learn to love myself. I want to be whole. And that is such an important part. Like just seeing like when you can trust the birth process, it just is like opening this door to all the other things that, oh no, like I'm okay. I can trust myself. Like this is, it's just, it's, it's that, like that beginning piece to that. Yeah. So, like, you're okay. not broken. 
Right. I'm not broken. Um, you never were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, and on that note, I'm just going to take it a little in the film, which you should all absolutely watch. And I am pushing that on you <laughs> to the listeners. Please watch this film. Just, just do it, guys. Uh, just just do, it. do it. I mean, just, just do, do it. it. Um, there is an orgasmic birth. <laughs> and so many people, you know, like this word, this, this orgasmic birth, people have heard about it, I feel like. And, you know, you get to literally see it. And um, it is so possible. So, and I would say that my own birth, I am... It was very divine. I am very lucky. I experienced the whole gamut, the whole litany, everything you could possibly experience. I was, I've never doubted myself so hard. And then I have never believed in myself so much. Um, I traveled to the celestials. I traveled to other galaxies. I traveled to the center of the earth and to this black space that I don't know what it is. And, you know, and I, and I was spiraling, literally I was spiraling. Um, but it was, you know, when I accepted, I, there was a little, I, I was not accepting it. And the spirals felt more like out of control when I was still in resistance to what was happening. Once I accepted it, which was, this was just in a matter of like really minutes I accepted and I moved through it. And I actually, I want to say though, now that I kind of oscillated between acceptance and resistance during the hours of labor. Um, but when Wolfie came out, I experienced bliss, a spiritual awakening, dare I say enlightenment? Yes. I felt the presence of spiritual beings and ancestors and angels. And honestly, you, Gabriella, like I didn't know you, but you were there. Like, it's crazy. Like, you know, I was never more connected to source, prana, energy, life force, the divine, God, goddess, the universe, nature, Allah, Buddha, you know, can I name them all? There are so many. I mean, literally just the gamut. It's just like a Shiva, everybody. Um, the whole party was there. <laughs> and it was a silence, a hush, but a bliss, like in a full body bliss. So, and, and, and I think it was like a, like an orgasmic, like, I mean, there was no pain. There was mm -hmm. none. I experienced a lot of intense feeling in my physical body, very intense, but, and just when he came out, like all of those intense sensations were gone and a love that I'd never felt, never was just given to me in that moment. It was a gift. It was just given to me. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Wow. Look at, wow. You know, and ah, it just, so I want that. I want that for everyone because for it to be undisturbed. Hello. Hello. Rain again, just here to drop a line about my masterclass. So I'm sponsoring myself for my free masterclass. 
If you are interested in healing yourself, in understanding yourself, in deepening your relationship with your instincts and intuition, this is step one of working with me. Head over to my website, watch my masterclass for free, and feel out sort of the roots, the foundations to what it means to work with me. All right, back to the show. You know, I don't know if it lasted 10 minutes or if it lasted 10 hours. I don't know. I can't tell you and I don't care, but it happened and, you know, and it happened and it's not all one sunshine and rainbows, you know, like having a child is hard as shit and having a partnership is even harder at times. And, but we had that moment and no one or and no, nothing, no one can ever take away from Damien and myself and Wolfie and that moment that we had together. Mm. Yeah. As someone who's seen that moment, well, seen it in all the senses I felt I feel that I feel that you can sense that there is this little beautiful triangle you know how much I love triangles that that it's it's just a triangle hug it's a beautiful warm hug Mm -hmm. and you feel that power you feel that connection in it yeah man amazing it is amazing it is amazing want you all listeners to get to have that experience (laughs) whether you maybe so maybe well i will also say which maybe i should have said this in the beginning like i am i have not had a child i am putting my hands up here in surrender mudra i don't know if i mean i'm 35 i don't know what's gonna happen Maybe I will, maybe I won't. And I like listeners, this uh, is like, this is not something that is just for women that are like are pregnant or their intention is I am going to have children. Like this is for, for everyone. We can all be connected in this. It's important for all of us. Totally. And thank you for saying that because And it's for men too. Oh, yes. And the men. Yes, men, please. Yes. Yes. Join (laughs) us. Yes. You are welcome in this space. Well, you were born too. And you will. And that's the thing. It's like, we need to support each other. It's not just about me. So it's like, when I share that story, it's not about me. It's about all the babies. That's what I realized in that moment. I was like, every baby is like the little baby Jesus. Every single one every single one. And I'm not a religious person, but I do love, I love to study the religions and to, and I mean, I guess I am a religious person. I will never mind. Flip that. (laughs) I I will say that that was, you know what, you know, two years, three years ago, someone says, oh, I'm very religious. I'm like, whoa. Now someone says I'm very religious. I'm like, oh, interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) exactly well I and I'm just I'm interested in all you know I'm interested in all of it but it's it's our it's all of our narrative because we were all the little baby every single one of us all of us were the little baby and so we all have that story 
we can all heal that story. So when I say I want that for everyone, I want for everyone to get to do the meditation where mm-hmm. they, ooh, and I'm gonna put links in the show notes to this, um, where you experience your own rebirth. You give yourself permission to use your powerful imagination to ideally birth yourself from your divine parents, you know? So if your uh, family of origin is a, a traumatic one, or perhaps um, you're adopted and you never met your uh, biological parents, I've worked with plenty of women in that um, sphere. Um, they still have cellular memory. And honestly, the there's no ceiling, like there's just no cap on, on how your ideal birth could go. And then to see how your might, life might have, might have been different or can you rewrite it so your life is different? And that's what Gabriella has done. That's what I have done is, you know, and that's what all of the rebirthers in the program are in the process of doing or have done is like given ourselves permission to, to move through our own birth, empower ourselves with, with a new storyline. Um, and, and then, and also, you know, to be able to look, so this really ties it back together to what you first started speaking about Gabriella is when you see other pregnant women and babies, the most important thing that we can give them is the belief and the knowing that they can do it in full strength and power and sovereignty all on their own. You know, I, I have a midwife friend, Katya, who walked out into the woods, into the jungle in Costa Rica. And she's smaller than me by height and by girth. And she walked out into the Costa Rican jungle and had her baby by herself, like on a papyrus mat. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just wow. what she felt like she needed to do. And I'm not, you know, you don't have to do that, but it's, it's, cool for us to know that we, because that's sisterhood, that's family. That's a global family where we look at each other and we're like, you got this girl, Mm -hmm. you know, and you got this Papa, like support her, you know, go get some hot water, go fetch some tea. Or if, if it's not a sphere that you want to be comfortable in, just give her all your love, send her all your love and, and wait for the moment where you get to hold her again, you know? Um, Gosh, I got it. I just got to like, because we forgot to talk about one thing. Oh, I mean, we probably forgot to talk about lots of things. <laughs> the umbilical cord. I... So the severing of the cord for anyone who I've ever seen, like, you know, an astronaut floating out. I'm pretty sure they're connected by like an oxygen tube when they're like working on the space things. Or like a diver under the water, they kind of old school, but some people still do it like a compressor where there's a tube going to the diver. So it's not quite a, a tank, but I mean, even a dive tank, you know, there's a tube that connects the breath. Why on earth would you ever sever either of these tubes? You wouldn't, it wouldn't be intelligent. So please, for the brass tacks, anyone who is thinking about giving birth, please don't cut your baby's cord prematurely because they are receiving oxygen from the blood the way that they have been for that whole nine months. 
and and it is really talk about you know fast paced swipe right kind of world that we're living in please have some patience in that moment because there is still oxygen rich blood flowing even if the cord isn't pulsating just give it a minute give the baby a minute how how much time is it usually like where what would so Wolfie took four minutes to be having like big full um, breaths and then up to about seven minutes where they you no. Know, so those were like sort of gentle breaths, about four minutes of gentle breathing. And then at about seven minutes, it was the midwives were like happier. <laughs> they were happier with the breathing. Um, and, you know, by 11 minutes, it was, there was just like, whatever. We were, we're not worried about anything. Um, and I wasn't worried and Damien wasn't worried the whole time. Um, but you know, Wolfie was quite blue and quite limp. And in the hospital, we would have been separated immediately. Um, but mm-hmm. we kept the cord going and I did newborn first breaths, um, which is just puff air into his nose and mouth with my own. I sucked out some of the little gooey fluids in there and I just, loved him and kissed him and, you know, kind of gently, and it wasn't a whole, it wasn't vigorous rubbing or anything, but I just had the knowing that like, that we were still in the process because, you know, you gestate for nine months. That's a long time. Then there's a series of hours for some, it's only minutes of transition where the, you go through the vaginal canal you get squeezed. So all the, um, the amniotic fluid that was previously being breathed or mock breathed by the baby. So the baby actually takes in amniotic fluid into the lungs during the life in the, in utero. So the vaginal canal squeezes all the water out essentially like a sponge. So when the baby comes out, the idea is that, you know, it just, it expands and that the oxygen flows in, but it's just give it a little, a little bit of time, you know, to allow those breaths to come in because the baby's not panicked because there's oxygen still coming in through the umbilical cord if you'll let them. So that's why the breaths, you know, they slowly start to build. Some babies come out and are like, right, like they're just start billowing breath immediately. But I think a lot more babies um, you know, t- they take a couple minutes. It takes some time, you know, so, so really I would say keep at least 15 minutes, keep that cord connected for, that would be the shortest amount of time to keep the cord connected. Keep some people keep it on for days, but that seems like that's a long time for me. Um, I think, I we think we, we severed the cord. Um, Damien uh, was the one who did it and around, I think an hour, 50 minutes, mm-hmm. 55 minutes, something like that. Um, and it was just because in nature, you know, mama's got to like most mammal mamas have got to bite it. They got to chew it off, you know, or I was going to ask what, what would have been done before? Yeah. Ooh. Chew it, tie it, um, burn, burn the cord. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, and some of them, you know, they'll just keep like kind of a lengthy cord on the baby for a while and it dries up. It's like kind of like, like the top of a pumpkin, like the, it's yeah. like hard, like the pumpkin. Yeah, I've seen, I have images of, I've seen my cousins with that and you're like, well, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's just, it's that it's, you know, I guess as I was describing that moment of serenity where when Wolfie came out, you know, 
it, it was like, that was a timely moment. And what I'm trying to say is many a time in hospital, now not necessarily in the UK or in Europe, in Europe, there's a lot more reverence for that time period um, from when baby comes out and is sitting on mommy's chest. And, you know, I don't, I don't know the practices in Europe as well. I have to research it, but I don't believe they cut it right away. I do know that in the US, it's a pretty immediate, um, immediate sever. And it just doesn't make any sense. It just like, doesn't make any sense. And if anybody, you know, wants to throw up uh, their opinion on why, you know, you think severing it is important, have at it. But um, I just, I don't think so. I think it's nature designed it to be, you know, a calming process. And you know, lots of like touching and licking and gentle rubbing and noozling. You kind of noozle your baby to life. Like that's, that's what we did. We, I noozled Wolfie back to life or not back to life into life. Like it, you know, like it just noozled him in because he had just had really, you know, the rough time squeezing through there. And our, our labor was a long time. Um, cause I had a lot of fear. I had a lot of resistance. I was not privy to all of what we're talking about now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, so it's important, like whether we have any children or not on our own, just that we can hold space for other people who are going through that journey and and have light a candle for them and sing a song for them and have reverence and remind them that it's natural and normal and that and that it's divine and beautiful and, and to be patient with their child. Because honestly, you know, a lot of you all know me. And I mean, I don't think patience would maybe be one of your first words to describe me. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was patient in Wolfie's first moments, I think I'm a lot more patient of a mom. Mm -hmm. Because I got that opportunity. I literally, I learned in that moment to be patient. Oh my God, that's what it was. I was taught. In that moment, I need to be patient with this tiny person. Wow. And I'm going to be patient with him for the rest of my life. And I think that's why I'm able to do this work now. You know, before I was just a vinyasa teacher, freaking moving through fast postures to get to the next thing. And, but now I hold space for incredible humans like you and listen and learn and I'm open to the patience. I don't think I'm right. I'm not trying to be right. I'm just trying to hold space for all this stuff because I know it's a big deal. Like I know this stuff Mm -hmm. is a big deal, Um, but I'm not an expert. I don't pretend to be just um, a curious explorer. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be the Jane Goodall of humans. That's like (laughs) what I'm going for. Jane Goodall of humans. The amount of times that I've seen get curious also in the past 24 hours has been like stay curious being curious key to happiness it's being curious like okay it's, oh it is yep. message received yep got it understood <laughs> loud and clear <laughs> oh i think that's a really nice place to end oh wait well actually i will say never um, mind <laughs> where, where? well it's tying it back into what i first said Mm. Um, I have so much joy 
when somebody tells me that they are with child now, I get so excited. I give all of the hugs. I am not afraid of this. Mm. Because it really had no, it had nothing to do with like knowing the vocabulary. I thought I was like, I don't have the, I don't have the vocabulary. That's, it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. I still don't have the vocabulary. I still don't. Gabriella is a linguist, multilingual linguist, <laughs> teacher of language. So of course that would be her default. Right. This is true. Must be a language <laughs> problem. <laughs> Good old front brain kicking in. Yep. Uh, but, but I, I also, I love being around little, I mean, I teach little kids now and I'm not afraid of that. And I used to be so afraid of, of little children in Spanish, because again, this is, you know, all of these like limited beliefs that I had, but like, like, Oh, uh, little kids don't understand me that I don't understand them. And then I'm going to feel embarrassed. No, like none of that, that all of that fear is gone. And it, it's because of this and it's, it's, it's so beautiful. And I just, I have so much appreciation and I, for, for birth and for children. And I, I do feel that other people can see that in me also. And they feel that I am a, I am a person that understands on a certain level, what they're going through and appreciates them and, and loves them for what they're doing. Mm. but has like it's just it's been I mean this has been life-changing for so many reasons that we'll get into in all of the future episodes but that is definitely that is one of them and you know and you can't even make this up so one question that I had on my notes that in my head I was just like I'm not gonna ask for this but you literally just said it so deliberate language this happens with Gabrielle and I all the time it's our divine sisterhood is just amazing. <laughs> Thank you for somehow reading my notes from Spain that you can't see. Um, so in our work together in Rebirth, we do deliberate language. My last question on this questionnaire for you, the difference between the deliberate word choice, pregnant or with child. And you just said, when I find out that someone is with child and you didn't say that in the beginning of the episode, even. <laughs> <laughs> so can you just explain to me my linguist, my bilingual, uh, can you explain to me the different energies of when you even just say the words pregnant versus with child and why you chose to just divinely use that word? Well, Brain, I don't want to ruin the magic, but you had <laughs> sent me the notes. <laughs> oh, I did? <laughs> Damn it. Which I mean, like, we can edit that out. I don't know if you want to edit it out. Of the no, I'm so good. It's so good. All right. Homegirl knew what but, I was talking about the whole time. But I have been thinking about it. And I don't think I did. I don't think I used. Well, I don't know if we, I used with child in the beginning. but We um, didn't. So, well, and that's what, like, I just keep diving into deliberate language more. Yeah. And that, that is one that I'm working with, but like you and I never had, we never talked about that. Oh, I, and I feel a difference. I mean, I think, cause right. I was thinking about it, I was like, when we use pregnant outside of give, uh, be outside of being with, literally with child, 
isn't it always kind of negative? Like the thing that like the room was pregnant with, uh, and then I see like dark reds, like or um, dark purples. I don't, I don't. The room was pregnant with. I don't know if anger. Maybe that's not a common phrase, but the room was pregnant with some sort of thick negative emotion. Pregnant with fear. Maybe you're pregnant with fear. The room was pregnant with fear. Does the room ever get pregnant with joy? I don't think so. I don't think that is ever anything that happens. Yeah, like pregnant pregnant almost has like a neg. Like to me, so in my world, it was like a, a just like so clinical. That was like that's. But I hear now what you're saying. Yeah, from like a literary standpoint, there is a negative connotation to the world to the word pregnant. And then maybe you could say pregnant with anticipation, which is a little bit more neutral, but uh, I don't know that that's, I mean, it's a heavy word. It's heavy. Yeah. But with child is what is so loading. So light with child pregnant. I mean, just like the way that you say it, I'm pregnant. Uh. I'm I'm pregnant. I'm with child. I wish y'all could see her right now. This is so fun. Yes, literally the energetic. So it's like the euphony or the cacophony of the word. She's also a musician, so I'm throwing out all my good, all my good words here. Um, but right, the euphonic nature of like with child, the cacophonous of pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, it is literally like engorged, like yeah. <laughs> Oh my God, is that going to be the boom? Just us going like, (laughs) (laughs) okay, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll let you decide. Are we done now with that one? Can we we walk out on that? Oh, with child. (laughs) Everyone together. With child. Child. Like you couldn't even try to say it. I mean, I'm like, I'm with child, but it's like, what was the, the butterfly or the bubbles? We have to try to say bubble or what is it is it bubbles you try to say bubbles with an angry face Ariane uh-huh. thought of that yeah it's like impossible right to say bubbles with an angry face it's very hard it's harder with even child. with child like with child is such a beautiful it would be very hard to say that with a negative well so and I guess nah, for the listeners deliberate language is something that and we're going to talk about that in all of these episodes in all of this rebirth the the unfurling of rebirth um so that you all can nestle into this work um on your own um deliberate language is the power of words it really is you know and we have a choice we have a choice to empower ourselves with our word choices there are always 20 more words that we can use and one, you know, three of the 20 will feel so much more deliberate and intentional than the words that are just being tossed around um, in our society uh, sort of haphazardly or yeah, like without, without thought, without deliberate intention. Mm-hmm. And, and that's some, I like, it's um. That is, I mean, well, all of this is stuff. This is all work that this never ends. This is the fun is that this is a, it's a journey and it's Mm -hmm. amazing. And the deliberate language especially is like, I I find it very challenging to incorporate it into your vocabulary, but like, don't give up because it will just, it just will start to flow naturally. 
and then you'll learn even more. And there's so many other words you can incorporate into your vocabulary, but it'll flow. And that's something to not, like, it might seem like, oh, I can't, like, oh, why can't I remember it? It's fine. You'll get there. You'll get there. It's fine. It'll be, it'll be, you'll be fine. Oh, thank you so much, Gabriela. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Would you like to do a shout out to Light Watkins or should I? Speaking of deliberate language. Speaking about deliberate language. (laughs) That is how we're ending. Whoever knows Light Watkins, please have him listen to this episode. Love you. Or Gabriella. Thank you. I I would like to to meet you too. Maybe I can officiate the wedding. What? I mean, spiritual union. Spiritual union. (laughs) Let's be very deliberate about our language here. All right, friends. Well, may it be so. May it be so. If you're digging on Gabriella, I'm going to have links to her stuff in the show notes. Um, And she's going to be back. Um, Can't wait. Beautiful space with us. So, Uh, peace, plants, birth, death, life, abundance, infinity, Creativity, creativity, abundance, infinity. And that's a wrap on today's show. So the first episode of the Rebirth series. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was a challenging one um, as this work tends to be. Links in the show notes to all the fun stuff that we talked about. Um, And just stay tuned for the next episode of the Rebirth program. We will be looking into first sensual or sexual experience so it will be a very exciting um very exciting conversation um thank you so much gabriella for spending this time with me and doing this work with me my goodness thank you ariane for reconnecting us and um introducing us um thank you to Amber, my assistant, for all the amazing magic that you do for me and the pod, and to Z, our producer, um, so much gratitude for the work that you do that I just don't understand. <laughs> um, and of course, Justin Lane Briggs, thank you for the beautiful music, the theme song to the show. Until next time, bye.